Welcome to Loving the Christ Life. I'm Brad Wilson. Welcome again, and we appreciate you tuning us in. I'd like to invite you and everybody you know to this podcast each week, Loving the Christ Life, where we talk about the in Christ message, the Christ life. Go to our website, christ-life.org, and read all about us. Well, our exciting series on the gospel of deliverance continues today. This is part two from Warren Litzman, and it is terrific. We hope you enjoy it. Here's Warren. Well, Christ is joined to us. Now, how does that take place? What really happens when we talk about Christ joined to us so that we're just not two persons anymore, we're just one? What really happened? Well, there's two or three things you can see in the Scriptures that help us to understand that. The first is one night over in Nazareth, a little 14-year-old girl was asleep and an angel came and awakened her. And, and simply said to this little girl that God has put a seed in you, another person, and you're going to bear a baby, and we're going to call his name Jesus, and he's going to save the people from their sins. See how far out that is? That never happened before. Nobody ever bore a child before by God's seed. Always took a male seed joined to a woman's egg, and that produced another person. But now for the first time, we have a part of God's important plan breaking forth. He's chosen one little girl, said, Blessed art thou among women. One little girl he's chosen to show this thing. So she brings forth a child. It's Jesus. And some 30 years later, he begins to preach and to teach And he does an unusual thing one night. He runs into a fellow named Nicodemus. Nicodemus is the biggest monkey monk of the Judaism. He's a big religious person. Nicodemus says, I've heard of you. You're a great rabbi. You're sent from God. Jesus looks him square in the eye and says, Nicodemus, you must be rebirthed. You're not what you're supposed to be. He followed Moses. He followed Abraham's teaching. He had the entire Old Testament backing him up, knew it by the letter. But Jesus looked at him and said, Nicodemus, you're no count like you are. You're going to have to be born again. Well, Nicodemus didn't have the slightest idea about what God was talking about any more than Mary of Nazareth did. Jesus didn't even try to explain it to him. That's important for you Bible scholars that Jesus never explained the birthing to Nicodemus who asked him to explain it. He didn't do it. And the reason he didn't do it was that a man was to be raised up whose sole purpose would be to tell us what it meant to be rebirthed how we were going to become who it was we were created to be. Well, Nicodemus didn't get it. 
So time goes by. And we come to this great focal point in the Scriptures to where God is going to do what He planned to do before He created the world. He's going to do it. He's going to take humans and put Christ in them. And He's going to take the death of Jesus on the cross to be the means by which He does it and accomplishes it. So what happens here is that all of this put together comes under the words of Jesus when He hangs on the cross. One of the most important statements Jesus made was, It is finished. Finished. God has finally finished the human being. It took 4,000 years of the Old Testament. It took man after man failing God, going into sin. It took nation after nation failing God. He went through all of that to prove to the world that without this new life, Christ in you, you're never a completed being. You can't be completed. So now, the finished work is taking place. He gets the messenger and the Apostle Paul. And Paul's mission is to preach this in Christ. You've been listening to the tapes. You've probably heard me say it. But Paul says that we're in Christ 146 times. He says that in his letters. That's a lot of times just for 14 short letters for him to use that statement again and again. Why? Because there's not anything God does that doesn't have to do with Christ in you and you in Christ. Why? Because that's what humanity is all about. That's what the world is all about. By no stretch of the imagination could I ever believe that God intended that human beings end up like most of us have. He created us in His likeness and image. And a couple of people come along and fouled us up so that we couldn't function like we were created. And later Jesus on the cross fixed it so that we could go back and function like God intended he never intended that we have such wretched lives that we go through hell on earth he didn't create human beings to do that but you see without the gospel without Paul's message we may have lived and died and never have known anything different we would have thought this is the only way to live. This is the only way to exist. So we would be back at the same old frustration and hopelessness. And how many people I know have blamed God for their dilemmas, for their hurt, their pain, their suffering. God loves them. 
And God can keep on loving people who hate him because he knows we don't know how a human being is put together. Well, what happens next is that Christ is your life. There is no salvation without Christ in you. You understand that? God does not give salvation. Christ is our salvation. We are saved by His life. There isn't, there isn't such a thing as a religious organization writing out a piece of paper and says this person is saved. I think some do that, but that's kind of foolish, you know. Why would you want to take it out of God's hand when two parts of you, body and soul, cannot function without God's authorization? You can't function any other way. So, we go through life, even as Christians, even though Christ is in us, if we don't know exactly what that means, then what we're going to be doing every day of our life is something soulish. Our will, intellect, emotions. We're going to try to get them fixed right. We're going to try to get them to be what they ought to be. So I can be the person I want to be. What we usually end up doing, instead of getting our power and instruction in our soul from the Christ in us, we get our power and instruction from a body that has lived all its years under a misguided program. Functioning erroneously. Never really being what God intended you to be. So we're at a point now to where if we really want to live, it isn't religion we need. Religion we need. I hate religion. I speak harder against religion than anybody you'll find because it damns more lives. I don't say it sends them to hell, but it damns lives and keeps them trying to become something within themselves. You see, if you're not careful, your soulish part will be your salvation. I won't do that again. I know better. I'm not going to do that again. I can overcome. I'm smart enough. I'm strong enough. That's soulish. That's not Christ in you. What you have done is saying, I can do it myself. Ah, I can do it. Because this is where the eye is located in soul and body. And you think within yourself, I can make this work. But it's not that simple, you see. Because yourself is never going to work without Christ being the life. You must see that. He's the life. It isn't your life. It's His life. It isn't you. It's Him. Well, this is where our wrestling match comes in with life. Sad to say, we are basically denied that understanding. So what religion has become to us, instead of being our salvation, religion has become our correction. Always somebody trying to correct you. Well, I agree. I need to be corrected sometimes. 
But that doesn't help me any. Because correction is not what I need. It's another life I need. It is at this point, this juncture, that what we have to say to you in, in the Christ life becomes valid, becomes real. Religion can't save you. Churchanity can't save you. I believe in the church. This is it right here for tonight. This is church because this is the body of Christ that gathers in this place, and that's church. But that can't save you. The only thing that can save you is finally coming to a place to where you're thinking about life, about who you are, changes. You see, all the days of your life, like this, you are an actor. You were acting out a part. It wasn't a real you. Even when we become Christians, we continue to be actors. We just change the scenery or the stage or whatever. But we're still acting. You know how it is with actors. Sometimes they can put on a good show, but they're rotten outside of the show. We see that from people in Hollywood. We became actors. When we started trying to correct ourselves, we began to act the part that wasn't the real us. Now, some are real good actors, you know. They can, they can do unbelievable things. But there's no cure there. There's no help there. There's no hope there. There's no end of the suffering there. But you can fool people. I'd have to tell you that the majority of Christians I've met in in a, what is it? I'm 54 years preaching now. The majority of them were actors. They weren't lost people. They'll probably go to heaven. They have Christ in them. But they're actors. Because they've never fitted all together about who am I? Who am I? See, that's the big question. You're not a bad person. You're a created person by God that was lacking a part. See, only Paul could tell us that. He's the only one God ever gave that information to. And it's clear in all of his epistles. He knew that we would never be completed human beings without Christ in us. But he knew to make that religious or to make that a correction thing or do this or do that or whatever, wouldn't help us at all. What we needed was not correction to straighten out this old life. And i got to pause there a moment. Because in my experience, I found that most people would love to straighten out their life. They'd like to straighten it out. That sounds good, doesn't it? I'm going to get my life all straightened out. I'm not going to get in trouble anymore. But that still is an actor at work. Because that isn't the real you. How do you become the real you? When you begin to know this Jesus that's in you. Because you see, everyone that is saved 
have been placed in Christ and Christ in you because there is no other salvation in this book. There isn't any other. There's no church salvation. There's no religious salvation. Salvation is God placing another person in you. 1 Corinthians 12 and 13 says, For by the Holy Spirit is every believer placed in Christ. Well, that's what happened when you got saved. And I'm here to tell you about grace at this point. When you got saved, you were genuinely saved. When you said, Lord, I believe, Jesus, I accept you as my Savior, you were genuinely saved and He put Christ in you. Christ has been in you ever since that moment you were saved. But if you're not careful, religion robbed you of Christ every time you turn around and don't do what religion says you ought to do. You're robbed of it. But God put Christ in you. And when He put Christ in you, you stood perfect before God. But notice, this is very important. When you were saved, the only part of you that was saved was spirit. Because that's the only thing Christ joined to you is in spirit. He didn't join to your body. That'd be wonderful. We could all live a thousand years, but he didn't do that. He didn't join to your soul. He joined to your spirit. That's very important, you see, that you understand that. Because Paul has another important statement to come at this at this juncture. He says that the time will come when the Word of God For the Word of God is sharp and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing asunder the soul and the spirit. Oh, do you see that? He says the time is going to come in your walk with God where, where your spirit and your soul are separated. Why did God do that? Because He knew you'd come to a bad place to where you didn't think you're saved. You didn't think the cross did anything. You didn't think Jesus died for you. You didn't think it took. You didn't think it was real or whatever. And he said at that juncture, separate your thinking apparatus from who you are. Why did he say to do that? Because what Jesus did at the cross was a spiritual thing that saved you from this old life of sin. That was perfect. When Jesus died for you, He didn't partway die. Some of Him die. Most of Him die. No, sir. He died completely dead. Now, you have to understand Paul at this juncture because he's the only one that will tell you this. Whenever Jesus died on the cross, you died with Him. You died with him. When I began to learn Christ as Paul taught him, one of the most important things I got from Paul was that he never mentions anything 
Jesus of Nazareth did. Does that seem strange to you? He lived in the same day of Jesus. Now he met all these saints that knew about the miracles and all, but Paul never mentioned one thing about Jesus of Nazareth except the places where the human being is in Christ. When is the first place you were in Christ? When did it happen? The first time, when did it happen? Well, the story is told us in John's Gospel. You've seen him. Jesus kneels down at the rock. He's just about to go to trial, be tried and be killed. And he kneels at the rock and he prays this prayer. Father, if it be your will, remove this cup from me. You know what is in that cup? You. You were in the cup. Every foul, ungodly, mean thing you've ever done was in that cup. You. So he said, Father, if it be your will, take it away. And the Father wouldn't take it away. So Jesus drank what was in that cup and fulfilled a prophecy from Isaiah where Isaiah said he bore in his body our sins and our transgressions. That's what was going to kill him. That's what needed to die. And it couldn't die unless it killed him. So you're in him. Everything that happens to Jesus from Gethsemane to his going back to heaven has you in mind. More so, has you in him. I don't know, probably some of you saw the Mel Gibson film, Passion of Christ. Do you have a feeling when you saw they just kept beating and beating and beating and I sat there and I thought, well, Lord, quit it. Somebody quit beating on him. Mm -hmm. And then the Spirit said to me, take it easy. He's beating on you. You're in him. You're in him. You want to know how vile your sin is? Look at it. That's the first time I'd ever seen it so visible as it was in that film. They're beating on you. Wow. They're punishing that sin. That shortcoming, that hurt. That frustration that you've had all your life was in his body. When he died, you died. When he was buried... You were buried. Scriptures for every one of these things. In him when he was killed. In him when he was buried. In him when he resurrected on Easter Sunday morning. In him when he ascended back to heaven. You were in him every step of the way. So what's happened to us? We don't really know that. We keep on trying to pay the price for our shortcomings, our sins, our failures. Because we don't know the gospel. 
who don't know the final gospel. You don't realize that every foul thing you've ever done was put into His body. That's the way God took care of it. When you come to Jesus for salvation, He doesn't look at you and say, well, this is a pretty good person. I think I'll, I think I'll uh, save him. No. He's already done it. This whole wide world already is completely alleviated of sin because it went into His body. When He died, you died. Think of that. The next time you think I can't make it. What are you doing? You're bearing something that's not for you to bear. How many times we cry out, Oh God, I can't go through this anymore. I can't stand any more of this. Why don't you do something? Most of the time He doesn't. He gives you grace to sustain it. But He doesn't do anything else. Why? He's already done it. It's that finished work. So if we're not careful, we're going to go through life trying to get God to do something He's already done. We pray for Him to do something at that moment when He's already done it. And in our soulish part, we don't know it. So Paul said, the Word of God is going to come to you sooner or later so that you separate soul and spirit. Why? Because you must get it fixed in your mind that your spirit stands perfect before God because of what Jesus did on the cross. Not because you're living it. God knows I'd like for us all to live it. But that's not what salvation is. Salvation is what Christ has already done for us and we believe it. And in our spirit, He's been joined to us. And when God looks at us, He sees Christ. Every time He looks at you who have been born again, He sees Jesus. Our problem is we don't see ourselves. Because we're actors. I'm going to act the part. So Paul said, the Scripture's going to come to you. That's what's happening here. When you take on this message of the Christ life, you will begin to see that your soul and spirit are separate to God. Your soul is where you're wrestling because you don't know. Your soul is where you hurt because you can't get over the hump. But your spirit stands perfect before God. If I thought anybody could believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and accept His salvation and it not be total and complete, then He died in vain. Fix that in your mind. Don't look at you. Look at Him. Don't trust you. Trust Him. Because that's what salvation is. So, you get the two separated in your mind. When you come here for instruction, it's a soulish thing. You probably say to me, well, why is that important? It's important because in the midnight hour when you think you can't make it, you can look up and say, thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. What happens by those kind of thoughts? What happens by that realization? That's where your strength is. 
That's where your power is. You know. You know something. You know in whom I have believed. I know something. You say, well, it sounds to me like you're going to have a lot of bad people saved. This is my business. Don't matter what I think. But it does matter what happened at that cross. And whenever the Lamb was slain before the foundation of the world for our sin, that was a God who knew that within ourselves we couldn't live it. He's going to go ahead and save us and give us the Holy Spirit to be in our soul mind to teach us. And that's why your teaching is important, why you're coming to the knowledge of who you are in Christ. That's when you come to the place to where I'm not going to act out this part. I'm going to admit that I failed. I'm going to admit that I'm wrong. I'm, I'm going to admit that I'm not what I ought to be. That's when grace takes over. As long as you think within yourself you can do something, you will never be what the cross made you to be. It's that simple. It's not within you to accomplish. It's not in you to do. But don't you see how much He loves you? Don't you see how much He cares for you? Don't you see what His interest is in you? You're no different than anybody else, so don't think that you are. You say, I hurt more than anybody else. Because your thinking is erroneous. You wouldn't hurt half as much if you knew that I stand before God as His child and I'm trusting Him that I'll make it all the way. I can't be defeated. I'm alive in Christ Jesus. You see, that's what a Christian is. That's what a Christian really is. And you're going to find the longer you study the Apostle Paul, the more you'll see that most people don't know what a Christian is. They think a Christian is somebody has got it all put together. No, a Christian is someone who has Christ in them, who has put it all together. And they're trusting Him. Their trust is in Him. Well, I'm an endless uh, stream Yeah, take a break. You've been listening to part two of the Gospel of Deliverance from Warren Litzman. We hope you've enjoyed it. We'll pick up next time where we left off. Again, go to our website, christ-life.org. Read all about this In Christ message. And be sure and visit the bookstore. Warren left us so many wonderful materials, study materials behind books, videos, audio tapes. Go there and See what you can find for your own library. Everywhere you look there is on safe grounds. Christ-life.org. Robbie Litzman, thank you for allowing us to go into the archives each week to bring everybody these wonderful, wonderful lessons. Valerie Hill, she does our Twitter account. Tammy Laycock does our weekly podcast notes. And this program is produced weekly by the wonderful and talented Teresa Ferraro. Until next time, I'm Brad Wilson, loving the Christ life.